Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sweet Caroline, nothing personal word of the day, October 6, 2021, Sweet Caroline. That's the song that they play at Fenway Park. Everybody sings it. Who doesn't want to sing with Jason Biggs and Jack Black? Sweet Caroline and Steve Zahn. I'm talking about Saving Silverman, of course. Sweet Caroline, Fenway Park, everyone's happy. The Red Sox have moved on. Did you watch that game? It actually was a pretty crisp three and a half hour game. I have no great complaints. I'm glad it didn't go into extra innings because I would have been sad that there's no more runner on second base with no outs. That rule has been taken away and I don't think it's ever coming back. Was happy to see a DH. It's the American League. There's always a DH, but this is the last year without universal DH. So tonight's wild card, we're going to see pitchers sitting. We did a post-game show. It's a new thing that Coca came up with, and it's awesome. After the game last night, we were on YouTube, the nothing personal with YouTube, the nothing, cut that. Come on, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Ready? 10, 20, 69. Last night, we were on the nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube page, and once you subscribe, you could listen and participate in our post-game show. We were live right after the wildcard game last night. Talked a bit about the game. And then I watched a movie, then I went to bed, then I woke up. And I was thinking more and more about some of the things that happened during that game and after the game and wondering whether or not my position that one game wildcard eliminations are really the way to go, even though that is what the networks want, even though that is what owners eventually did vote on. And I woke up thinking as a president of the Yankees, what would I be doing right now? Because last night's game, was not a big problem at all for the Yankees, right? It was exactly what they've been all season long. We told you when there's a streaky team, they're not going to do well in October. We told you when you don't have pitching, you're not going to get through October. We told you great lineups get you to October, but not through October. We told you that Stanton and Judge are absolutely impossible to get through, but acquiring Rizzo and Gallo at the deadline, for what purpose was that? Now it's fun, Rizzo hit the home run right past the pesky pole, which is a very short foul pole in right field in Fenway Park. It's nice that he's a decent defender at first base. I'm all in on all that. But Gallo showed what he is, which is a all or nothing strikeout guy, a couple fly balls maybe if you need, which the Yankees didn't need. No protection for Stanton in the lineup, even though Gallo was sitting behind Stanton. Not sure why Cashman came up with that. Garrett Cole on the mound, performing as though he's not using foreign substances, can't even get out of the third inning. And I'm thinking to myself, do the Yankees wake up today 
and fire Aaron Boone, even though his contract is up. So it officially may not be a firing, but we'll get to that when we say whether or not the wait to see comes true about managerial firings that I did last week or two weeks ago, where I said under 2.1 managers would be fired. Right now we're at one in Louis Rojas of the Mets. And I'm thinking about the Yankees. They're not delusional people in that front office. Brian Cashman is a talented, talented executive who has taken Hal Steinbrenner's money. He has signed long-term free agents like Cole. He's tried for one-year wonders and one-year reclaims like Talon and, and Kluber, two pitchers. He's signed closers for a lot of money, Chapman. He's traded for closers like Britain. So he's actually put together an interesting team, traded for Stanton, of course, drafted judge. So I don't know that I can blame Brian Cashman for the lack of winning. So then I went to Aaron Boone. Can I blame him? Did he make any managerial mistakes as I evaluate managers? And I'm watching yesterday's game. I would have pulled Cole exactly when he did in the third inning. You can't let that game get out of hand. You're down three runs and you cannot. If Cole doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. If Scherzer doesn't pitch well tonight in L.A., guess what? He's going to get pulled too. In a one-game elimination game, managers have to have the QH. You have to have a quick hook. And we approve that, and we're good with that. And then I watched the clubhouse, the bench during the game. The players are paid attention. The players are engaged. I watched the post-game interviews, read the post-game comments by players. And it's the normal drivel of players. I'm upset. It's too bad. We'll come back next year. I'm disappointed. It's not Aaron Boone's fault. Aaron Boone is at the end of his contract, and he has not been spoken to, he said, about a new contract. But that's what the Yankees do. That's their way. They do not give you an extension before your deal is up. Aaron Boone said he wants to keep managing, said he loves the group of guys, loves putting on the pinstripes but is very comfortable with whatever happens. He said all the right things in the post-game press conference. When asked how the Yankees are doing, having lost, he said they're DBR, despondent beyond repair. He said there's a lot of upset people in that clubhouse. I didn't text Giancarlo. That's sort of a half flex. I didn't text him last night. I would never do that after a loss. I'm not even going to speak to him today. But next week, sometime, I'm going to text him and just see how he's doing because I saw a level of frustration in his eyes that I didn't even see when the Marlins were losing 90 games, 85 games, not making the playoffs. He looked like he had a burden of this season, that there was a burden on him that just made him look exhausted and done. And it's not when it was 6-1 or 6-2 to end the game. It was at three, nothing. It just felt when Phil Nevin, the third base coach sent Aaron judge home on a Stanton single and judge got thrown out. Stanton looked exasperated and angry. He had put his reputation on the line by tweeting what he tweeted before the game. What was the exact tweet again? It had a picture of him and uh, I commented on it. I'm going to look right now because it was very noteworthy to me that he would do that. And I wonder why someone had him do that or if he did it himself. He said, we will not be stopped. And he was talking about the Yankees and he said, squad up. They were stopped. And just like that, the Yankees wake up 
and they're getting ready for spring training. The Red Sox, on the other hand, get to go play the Rays. Their reward for winning the wild card game last night, their reward for winning the season series against the Yankees 11 to 9, which they did. It was 10 9, now it's 11 9. Of course, they could have lost the season series 1 to 19, 19 to 1. And winning yesterday is all that mattered. So they are going to the American League Division Series against the Rays. And while watching the game, I was thinking about what the Red Sox were doing after the game. They were celebrating. They were all the champagne. And on the YouTube postgame show, I said, hey, they're going to fly to Tampa tonight because that's what I would do. I'd want to get to Tampa for a workout. Well, when I was watching the celebration as though they had won the World Series and the pennant and all of the goggles and the champagne and the sprain and the yada yada, they were not flying out last night. So the Red Sox will likely fly to Tampa. When you fly on an off day, you generally have to get to the airport at 11. The flight to Tampa, call it three hours, land at two, and very likely they get buses that actually take them right to the, uh, the stadium for a workout. And then they will start their division series tomorrow. The reward for winning a wild card game is you get to then play a five game series where you have a chance first team to win three games, but you're playing the best team in the American League, which is the Rays. We're going to preview that series when it starts tomorrow, but let me just give you a quick hint. The Rays starting pitching is all rookies. The Red Sox have Chris Sale starting. They'll have Evaldi starting. Uh, He won't be able to start until game three. My guess is Sale will start one or two, I'd have to look at the math of when Sale last pitched. Did he pitch on Saturday, the, the, the penultimate game of the season? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Chris Sale will be pitching. Wait, or did he pitch the Sunday game for them to get in? He may have pitched the Sunday game that they needed to win. Coco, are you awake? Coco was working till three in the morning doing his best Samson imitation for what we did. Sale pitched two and a third on October 3rd. That doesn't help me. What day was October 3rd? Was that Sunday or was is today Wednesday? So that was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Guess what? They pulled sale after two and a third to see if he would come back on three days rest and have him start uh, game one on Thursday. But we'll wait to see what the Red Sox announce. As a matter of fact, let's do that, Coca. Let's do their rotation as a wait to see right now. The Boston Red Sox will open the division series with Chris Sale pitching game one on Thursday, which is tomorrow. And then Avaldi, which the game was on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He can't pitch until Sunday. So wait to see Chris Sale pitches game one. All right. I want to, uh, I guess I need to quickly tell you one thing about playoffs that I didn't mention either yesterday. And I don't think I've ever told you. And it is what goes on during a playoff game inside the clubhouse. So visiting GMs get a GM box where they can watch a game. It's usually up at the press level. The owners get a box right next to the visiting dugout. This is all by rule. So generally you've got owners when they're on the road watching next to the dugout. Normally it's on the inside, the home plate side of the dugout. In San Francisco, they actually put it on the outside, on the outfield side of the dugout, which was always frustrating to me because the seats are not as good. 
but then sometimes we would move the Giants owners when they would come to Marlins Park and we'd move their seats just as a little <clears throat> because when you don't do something nice for other teams owners, they don't do something nice for you and vice versa. But really, the GM doesn't sit in the box the whole game. He's back and forth down into the clubhouse because that is the better way and faster way. You don't do it as much during the regular season, but during the playoffs, you're down there more often because you're monitoring what's going on in the clubhouse. It's easier to get in touch with the bench during a playoff game. The cameras will often focus on GMs who are watching the game from a chair or watching the game from a suite. But keep in mind, when games are three to three and a half hours, they're not sitting in their seat the entire time. It is the rare GM or president that does that. So I was thinking about yesterday's game and elimination games, and I only was at one elimination game as a team president, and that was game seven of the 03 League Championship Series in Chicago. And I was thinking about all the different places I was during that game, from the clubhouse to behind the dugout to up in the press box to the GM suite in Wrigley, which was down the line, by the way. That's where our GM and Andre Dawson, Tony Perez were watching the game. And the reason why I'm walking around and doing all those things during an elimination game is I am so frustrated with my lack of control. And so I was watching yesterday's game thinking that that's what these executives are going through. And then you get through the game and you immediately go back into mode where you can control what's next, which is figuring out the division series against Tampa. But you can't control what goes on in a one game series. And the Yankees, no matter what Brian Cashman does or Hal Steinbrenner, no matter what home run Stanton hits or what Judge does, you can't control an outcome of a game. And that lack of control for people who are type A is incredibly hard to deal with. You may feel it in your own work, in your own life. So the next time that you want control over something and you don't have it, that is what we feel when we are watching games that are elimination games. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but today, small businesses and their owners, you're busier than ever. You don't have time to go out and figure out who you're going to hire. Don't spend all this energy searching and interviewing candidates because it's going to take time away from profit and money. And that's what you want. LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get the candidates who are worth interviewing. And you can create a free job post and reach your network and beyond because there's 770 million possible candidates and your first job posting's free. Just go to LinkedIn. It's been around since 2003. If you're not using it, you should be. LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's the way to get it post for free. But you may have to read some small print because I have to say this. Don't cut it, Coca. Terms and conditions apply. You're not going to read them. You're just going to check the box. So go LinkedIn.com slash Samson. Are we good with that? Okay, back to the show. Tonight, I'm going to be watching Dodgers Cardinals. Quite excited for the National League wild card. Puts a tear in my eye to watch other teams make the playoffs. It's hard when you're rooting for every team in the playoffs to lose. Someone asked me that on uh, Twitter recently. Is do you root? Which teams do you root for? And I explained when I was in baseball, I rooted against 29 teams. And it is incredibly frustrating to root for two teams to lose who are playing each other. Of course, we always said publicly, oh, we're pulling for you. Oh, we want you to win. It's such a nice thing. 
We all sent each other congratulatory notes and emails. I framed a note from George Steinbrenner congratulating us or John Henry called congratulating on making the World Series. Everyone's doing it with crossing their fingers. That was before the Red Sox had won their first World Series in 04. And so it was nice, right, when you get these calls. But I know they're not rooting for me. They know I'm not rooting for them because you don't want other people to get more rings than you, or if you have no rings, you don't want them to get a ring. It's funny that owners all applaud each other in the owners' meetings when uh, then the commissioner amounts, uh, announces in the November meeting, congratulations to the Dodgers for winning the World Series, and everyone gives them a total clap. Meanwhile, they all hate the Dodgers and the owners of the Dodgers. It's pretty funny, actually. So the Dodgers are playing the Cardinals, two-storied franchises. This wild card two-day stretch has been amazing for baseball. These are the four most winning franchises in the last 20 years. I mean, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cardinals. These are teams that do it right. And obviously, 50% of them are going to be gone by tonight. The Yankees will not be talked about again during this entire offseason. They're completely out of the sort of atmosphere of baseball, which is disappointing to Fox and, and Turner and, and all the networks, but it is what it is. Tonight, they're all rooting for the Dodgers to play the Giants. The Cardinals, while they are storied franchise with, for me, the best fan base, I mean, Cardinal fans are unreal. Uh, we would go and stay at a hotel when we would play the Cardinals. There was a Weston right next to Bush at Stadium. And it, it's it's on the it's there's a square right where the ballpark village is, and it's on one side of the square. And there's a connection, there's a bridge you can take over, but generally you walk on the street, right across the street, past the uh, sculpture in the front, the statue in the front, and the clubhouse entrance is sort of down a hill toward Highway 40. And every time I'd walk to Cardinal to the Cardinals games, which would be I'd go every trip because I love going to St. Louis. Contrary to, to some other people, I love people in St. Louis, truly. And those fans are just the greatest. They all wear red. They care about their team. They care about the history of their franchise. They've won a bunch of World Series. They have an appreciation for what the DeWitts do as owners of that team and for what their GMs have done. They appreciate their players. Players love St. Louis with the exception of Stanton, who wouldn't go there. But players love it. So sadly, the Cardinals, unfortunately, will have a very hard time winning this game tonight. Max Scherzer is a two to one favorite over Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is the best pitcher the Cardinals have. Adam Wainwright is the same guy who was the closer as a rookie who eliminated the Mets in the LCS in 2006. And his catcher was Yadier Molina when Carlos Beltran, potentially the next manager of the Mets, took strike three looking on a knee bending curveball. I'll never forget that moment because I was in the game and thinking about losing your season on a caught looking gives me hives to this day. So Adam Wainwright then became a starter and now he is, I, I think he's 48 years old. And his catcher, Yadier Molina, just turned 52. And so it's the oldest battery in the playoff history, I would have to imagine. Although I'm sure in the 1800s, there were 70-year-olds who were, who, were, who were playing. But Adam Wainwright is not an ace. As well as he's pitched, he's just not. So the best chance the Cardinals have is for Scherzer 
to go on a three game streak of mediocrity. His last two starts have been mediocre. That's the only way you can get a three game streak, isn't it? And so if that happens and Arenado and Goldschmidt do what Arenado and Goldschmidt can do, then the Cardinals can win. But it's too risky for me because even without Max Muncy, who is out, do you remember we said he uh, extended it, hyperextended his elbow? And then the reports came that it was his wrist because he was holding his wrist. And I doubled down saying, I don't believe it's his wrist because the way he got hit, I've seen first baseman doing this and I've been in the clubhouse after it happens. When, when a runner hits the arm, your glove arm at first base, it's the elbow that gets impacted. Even when your wrist gets bent back, it's actually your elbow that gets impacted. And when, you, when your elbow hurts, think about what you're doing. You could hold your elbow up if you're on the YouTube channel and one of the new subscribers, thank you. You could hold your elbow up like I'm doing, which is holding your elbow in the, uh, a 90 degree angle, although that may not be 90. God, did I hate, anyone else hate geometry? I was so good at math. I could do calculus and all of the crazy statistics, everything. But geometry, I just couldn't picture shapes. It's the same reason I can't pack luggage into a trunk and I can't pack a dishwasher. I am the least efficient packer in a suitcase, suitcases in a trunk, dishes in a dishwasher. I have no spatial sort of recognition. It's not that I'm clumsy. It's that I just can't figure out how pieces fit. You'd wonder why I'm first one voted out on Survivor because I'm not going to do the puzzle, right? I can't, I don't do stuff like that. I remember my kids wanted to do jigsaw puzzles uh, and I never did them. I did the big, the little ones when they were kids, when there's only four pieces and they're these huge pieces that anyone could do, right? Literally anyone could do. But once they got to the smaller pieces, like the 75 uh, map pieces of a puzzle where you're putting together like a map of the US out, even though I knew where the states were, I still wouldn't do it. So anyway, I can't, I don't know if that's 90 degrees or what it is, but I'm holding my elbow up. Muncie's elbow is out and the Dodgers have said he's not available, but maybe toward the end of October, uh, he's not playing this postseason. He may do a 2016 Kyle Schwarber. Yes, the same guy who hit a home run for the Red Sox. He was on the Cubs in 16. My recollection is that he was hurt and that he then came back for a brief appearance that was pretty motivating for the Cubs in that World Series, but certainly not a factor in the postseason. The Dodgers will be able to overcome the loss of Muncie, even though he's been their best player because they have depth and they're going to overcome it with Bellinger and Pujols, both of whom together, even though they're former MVPs, do not come close to Max Muncie. But that said, that's what the Dodgers have. The other thing the Dodgers announced yesterday is the end of Clayton Kershaw. And they announced it in a way that I don't want them to fool you. Clayton Kershaw had a problem with his elbow. He had pain. And the Dodgers announced through Dave Roberts, their manager, that Clayton Kershaw is out for the postseason. But Tommy John is not on the table. Well, don't believe that. Because when a veteran pitcher says Tommy John is not on the table, that's because the veteran pitcher has said to the team, it's not worth it. I'm not going to get another Tommy John and do what it takes to rehab a year and then try to come back when you're at the position of your career where Kershaw is. What Justin Verlander is doing, he remember he had Tommy John, he's the Astros pitcher who's now going to be a free agent. And he's what, 
he's Kate Upton's husband. We know that. He's probably 37. Are Verlander and Kershaw the same age, Coca? That may be too much to look up too soon, too early on, on a day like this. But it's very difficult to rehab at an advanced stage. You just lose the motivation. Kershaw is not doing it for the money. So what we would announce is, hey, you know, he's fine. And that's what the Dodgers did. He's fine. He's not going to pitch for us. He's not on the roster, but he doesn't need Tommy John. Could this be the end of Clayton Kershaw in Clayton Kershaw is only 33? Is, did, did anyone know that Kershaw was only 33? Does it not feel like he's been pitching for 20 years? Verlander's 39. I get that. Kershaw, 33. Would I do Tommy John at 33 in order to come back? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I would. All right, I'm going to change my mind. I can do that. I don't want to be the guy who hosts a show who says something and then when he gets new information, he just is going to die on the hill and say, no, no, I'm telling you that's what it's going to be. If I have new information, I'm going to change my mind. My new information is Clayton Kershaw's 33. And if he needs Tommy John, I think he would probably get it. But the Dodgers said that, you know, Coca is telling me something right now. Hold on. Just give me one second here. Coca is telling me that Kershaw debuted in 2008. I have a totally different recollection. I don't remember a time in baseball before Kershaw was on the Dodgers. And you're telling me that I was in baseball nine years before Kershaw even appeared at the age of 20. God, that is so strange. Now, 14 years is definitely an interesting career. I agree. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. Do you do that when you've been working someplace for 20 years or 25 years and someone says to you, yeah, what year did that happen? You say, oh, yeah, that was 2001 and it was 2009 or, yeah, that was in that 1994 and it was 1978. Like as the years pass, you just you lose sort of that temporal reflective ability. Anyway, Kershaw's out. Muncie's out. The Dodgers have depth. My pick of the day is that the Dodgers are going to win this game. We are back to 18 games over 128 and 110. The Yankees lost. We are going Dodgers. Would I, if the Cardinals win, I would not be unhappy at all. If the Dodgers win, I'll be less happy, but I will enjoy the Dodgers giant series uh, in the division series. So the Dodgers have done a pretty good job. If you think about it, of moving past Trevor Bauer, haven't they? People don't talk much about Trevor Bauer anymore, right? He's become semi, what's the word? Irrelevant, right? So Trevor Bauer is back on his Twitter page, which I'm not going to promote, Bauer Outrage. He, because I'm, I'm not that guy, right? I think you can follow Bauer and you can follow me. It's not a zero-sum game. He posted a video yesterday where he wants to do content during the postseason. His team is in the postseason. He is on administrative leave, and he wants to provide you, the audience, and you, the fans of baseball, with content. I'm running the Dodgers, and he's on administrative leave. I'm telling him to shut his stuff down. But anyway, that wasn't the biggest part of the video, all of the content he wants to provide. He was walking on a road, and he was talking about his case. And he said, I hope you've all paid attention, but we got a very favorable ruling 
where a judge agreed with everything we've been saying that what we've been accused of is not true. Trevor, I'd like to remind you and everyone listening that what the judge decided in your case was not to continue a restraining order because you no longer posed a threat to a woman who you've acknowledged you never want to see again. The judge did not say one word about whether you harassed, raped, or whatever else you did to violate a woman, at least one, maybe two, who knows the number. Secondly, STFU, shut the bleep up. Do you not listen to your friend Rachel Luba and all the various advisors that you have? Why would you say that you continue to be belligerent about the fact that you did nothing, that everything's going in your favor and that you can't talk about things that are pending, but believe me, when you can, everything's going to come to light. My innocence will be proven. You're still going to be suspended for at least one year, Trevor. You're still never going to play for the Dodgers again, Trevor, ever. You are still going to give up a year's worth of salary. Although Trevor Bauer jokes on us, he got paid his entire $40 million this year without pitching since May. The Dodgers want to completely ignore Trevor Bauer, and it's hard when he keeps trying to put himself in the news. It really is. It really is. All right, when we come back, we are going to update several things that happened, including an Urban Meyer update. We've got a Milwaukee Brewers update, which is going to matter in their first round series. And we're going to review a movie that you told me to watch. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome back. My name's David. What's your name? I loved interacting on the post-game show last night. We did a live, nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube post-game show. It's so fun hearing your questions and seeing the comments. So make sure you follow Coca's link and hit subscribe and get in there because we'll do it again tonight. And keep giving me the movie ideas because I really do like them. On Lebitard last week, last Thursday, uh, we were talking about Sam Rockwell, who's one of my favorite actors. And all of a sudden, you gave me all these Sam Rockwell movies that I'd not seen, including Welcome to Collinwood. Welcome to Collinwood is a heist movie. It is directed by the Russo brothers, who you may know from Avengers and Captain America and all these huge Marvel movies. This movie feels a little bit more like uh, Take the Money and Run. It feels a little more like Ocean's Eleven, sort of. It feels a little more, uh, it's got the doctor from the beginning of Grey's Anatomy, Isaiah Washington, who was dating um, Sandra Oh. It's got Michael Jeter, who was in The Fisher King, who I love. It's got George Clooney in the movie, and it stars Sam Rockwell. And I loved it. So I appreciate that. If you've got 86 minutes, it's a very short movie, or 87 minutes, watch Welcome to Collinwood. 
Is that better, Coca? Did I spoil it? Coca yelled at me yesterday for the review. I don't know what we watched. Oh, Queen Pins. He he yelled at me. He's like, stop telling people everything about Queen Pins. Just say you like the movie and move on. All right. I liked Welcome to Collingwood. Move on. All right. I have an update. The Milwaukee Brewers. I like giving you updates because I want you to know that I'm paying attention to things I say. Once in a while, I'm reminded I'm wrong. I'm right. But it's the insight that I want you to have that you're not getting from any other show. When Devin Williams, the Brewers eighth inning setup guy, the shut down bullpen that the Brewers have, the Brewers who I thought were going to win the World Series, the guy who angry after a celebration because something happened, punched something with his pitching hand and fractured his hand. And I said to you, get ready. He's done in Milwaukee. Done. Guess what? Devin Williams had surgery on his hand. And guess where he's rehabbing? Arizona at their facility in Arizona. Just a quick FYI, if the Brewers wanted Devin Williams around the Brewers clubhouse, if they weren't so angry with him for what he did, he would be able to be with the team in their playoff series against the Braves. He would be able to travel with the team to Atlanta because the rehab that he needs can be done in the home clubhouse. It can be done on the road. You can be a part of the team and not sacrifice your ability to get better. But when you're pissed at a player, you send them into rehab purgatory where your spring training is. And that is where Devin Williams was sent by the Brewers. He is alone in Phoenix with a bunch of minor leaguers with his head between his tail, forced to watch his teammates play the Braves. Because do you know what the Brewers teammates are doing right now? They're not even thinking about Devin Williams. They were angry when it happened, and now they are way, way past it. That's the end of Devin Williams. Okay, I want to give you an update on Urban Meyer as well, since we're doing updates. We did an entire segment yesterday with phone calls and press conferences. Urban Meyer is the coach of the Jaguars who was um, getting a lap dance, not in a strip club, it was in a restaurant, And it wasn't really a lap dance. It was a woman leaning up against him. Do you know when you're at a bar and you want some sort of physical contact, but in a totally non-threatening way, not in a uncomfortable way where you're just at a bar and you feel your elbows touching with the girl next to you or the guy next to you or whoever your preference is, or you're leaning forward at the bar and you just, your, your leg somehow is brushing up or your foot and you say, oh, sorry, or sometimes you don't say sorry. And then when the girl doesn't put, pull her arm away, that's sort of the language, the body language that you have to read. So when you're sitting on a chair and someone comes to sit near you, pulls their chair next to you, or even says, hey, there aren't enough chairs. Can I share this chair with you? And then you're Tushies are sort of touching, but not the bottom of your tushy. It's like side tushes are touching. These are all things that happen. It does not mean the world has come to an end. It doesn't mean you're cheating on your significant other. It just means that you're looking for human contact. And it's nice to feel human contact from time to time. It's nice to feel that someone wants to be in your circle of physicality. But Urban Meyer treated it like it was the end of the world. Another video came out, which uh, had him maybe with his hand underneath her buttocks. Now that don't do. 
unless you're with the person and they say it's okay to do that. So I said that Urban Meyer was doing these press conferences and how despondent he was. And then Shad Khan came up with a statement yesterday. <laughs> and it was, here it goes. Ready? I've addressed this matter with Urban. I told you how he addressed it. Just go back and listen to yesterday's show. Specifics of our conversation will be held in confidence. No, they won't. Just listen to the show from yesterday and I'll tell you what was said. What I will say is his conduct last weekend was inexcusable. I appreciate Urban's remorse, which I believe is sincere. He does not know Urban. <laughs> now, he must regain our trust and respect. That will require a personal commitment from Urban to everyone who supports, represents, or plays for our team. I am confident he will deliver. What are we talking about? A personal commitment? He has to regain our trust and respect? Where is the statement from Shad that what we want Urban to be doing instead of going to bars, when people want his autograph for pictures, I'd rather he say no, because I'd rather he get back to the office like Bill Belichick, sleep on the couch, come up with a game plan and win some damn games. And then word leaked out through sources that players were very angry and upset with what Urban had done. Horse hockey. Players don't give a flying rat's ass what Urban Meyer did. Not one. Not one player lost one ounce of respect because of what Urban did at a restaurant. Not one. Sources can say whatever they want. What players feel about Urban Oscar Meyer is that he's a joke to begin with. Bad coach. Bad game plan. Team can't win a game. Can't run practice can't run a game. That's what they think. And that's what should be bothering Shad. I was going to say Shaka Khan. I was, that was just in my head. Yeah, people may not know who Shaka Khan is. Shaka Khan. I feel for you, by the way. That's a funny one. I think Shaka Khan's well-known song is, I feel for you. I think I love you. And we're talking about Shad Khan and Urban Meyer feeling people. That's funny how the brain works, isn't it? So I would just like to give you the quick update and let you know that number one, the players are fine with Urban and what he did. They're not fine with how he's doing his job. Number two, Shad Khan did that statement, not because he actually feels that about Urban. It's because he is throwing trial balloons in the air to see whether or not the outrage is enough that he needs to fire Urban, not for what he did, but for how bad he's been. And this can be the excuse. How do you fire Urban Meyer, one of the major hires you've done when you're trying to get your franchise back to respectability? And after three games or four games of 17 of year one of five or six, I don't remember because our wait to see says he's not going to make it anyway, but it's just the start. They're in the first inning of his regime and Shad is already looking the owner to potentially get out of it by floating these trial balloons it's mind boggling to me, mind boggling. The second football story I wanted to go through today that interested me related to John Gruden. John Gruden is a coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders were three and zero before they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night. It was John Gruden's first sight, first uh, 
game in the new stadium in LA. We've talked about the uh, SoFi Stadium Coca. Is that what it's called? SoFi? I'm not remembering exactly what it's called in LA, but I c- correct. What does SoFi stand for? Is that a company? Southern Financial? It's a financial company? Okay. Okay. So SoFi Stadium in LA, and we talked about all of the overruns they had. We talked about all the money that was borrowed to get that building done. We talked about Coca. Stop it. Stop it. He just whispered in my ear, I think they do loans and rob poor people. (laughs) Well, I guess they're not going to be sponsors or nothing personal now unless you cut that out, which I know you don't do because we don't edit nothing personal every day for 45 minutes. So John Gruden goes to the stadium. The Raiders absolutely lay an egg. They lose 28 to 14. And after the game, Gruden was asked about the stadium in L.A. And he said, you know, the locker room here is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. That seems like hyperbole, but we'll leave that aside for the moment. You can't see anybody. It's like a maze. So, you know, whoever contorted this visiting locker room, I'd like to meet this guy and see what his idea was. Yahtzee, John. That was exactly the idea of the visiting locker room was so that it would be difficult for you to navigate it, that you would spend time getting lost in different rooms and that it wouldn't be as easy to have team meetings. Of course, that's what you do. When we built Marlins Park, we built the visiting clubhouse. It's so we put, do you remember we talked about this? I think on some show somewhere, we put down like a psychedelic carpet. I'm sure you just gotten rid of it by now, but maybe not. It's, a, it's this carpet that is so ugly, it looks like vomit. We made the kitchen that you have to walk through, that you're near the training room, and that then when you get into the kitchen, you, in order to get your hot food, you have to pass by candy because we knew where the food was going to have to be placed. We had refrigerators put in different places. You do all that because you don't want visiting teams to be comfortable at all, and everybody else is doing that to you. So when you're building a new stadium and you can design different rooms and different ways for visiting clubhouses to go, you bet your sweet patootie they did it in a way. (sighs) You know, it's funny. I wonder if John Gruden has ever been into his own visiting clubhouse in Las Vegas, in that new stadium. I wonder if John Gruden ever went to the visiting clubhouse where he used to play back in Oakland. Visiting clubhouses are not nice. They are confusing for a reason. The TVs are all smaller. Everything that's done is done to the minimum level that is required by the league and the union who do do visits, might I add. So you can't make it where it's moldy. You can't make it so you have thumbtacks on the floor, but you can put up crappy art. You can choose crappy chairs. You can choose terrible rugs. You can lay it out in different ways and blame it on space. Do you know we had the fish tank maintenance room right outside the visitor's clubhouse? So there's that sort of musty smell of stuff. Of course, Jeter got rid of the fish tanks. They're gone. But you think that was an accident? So, John, you want to know whoever contorted this? It's everybody. Because when you're building a stadium, it's just business. It's all right, John. 
It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.